Welcome to the Wheel of Sport, the home of the greatest sports stories ever told. My name's Ian McNally, and with me is... Matt Lavery, Matt Lavery! <laughs> yes! How's it going? <laughs> yeah, very well, Matt. This is another episode uh, based in Federation Square in the heart of Melbourne. Re- based or recorded in? It's recorded, we're recording live. <laughs> Obviously, by the time it gets into someone's ear, it's not live anymore, but, you know... I get it. If this is a live episode, what is just us here? Yeah. Good <laughs> so, point. So, so we're in a we're in a quiet pub, but we've decided to sit outside in a beer garden, and it's freezing cold. So you know that may might make us a bit well, more lively on our toes. Well, the wheel wouldn't fit in the doors of the the quiet pub, I reckon. Of course, you can't just wheel a wheel into <laughs> a into a pub the same. Right. It'd be like taking a horse into exactly, a pub. Yeah. It belongs outside. <laughs> Speaking of the wheel, I'm going to get this thing spinning. <laughs> I want to tell our listeners as well. The other week, you and I went for a, uh, a little run after the end of the recording, which was exciting, wasn't it? I haven't been the same since. You kept the pace very well, I thought. Really great job. Don't patronise me. The topic for this week is... <laughs> Golden moment. Golden moment. <laughs> I love a golden moment. Golden moments, the the golden, aren't they? Uh, so <laughs> this one, I'm going to do this one, Matt, because ahead, yours. any diehard listener, which I know um, many of our lovely people who listen to our podcast are, they know that you love snooker. <laughs> <laughs> Are you going to say something like that? Either that or darts. You just know that, like, I was listening very carefully for people just pulling the headphone jack out of their phone. (laughs) Just en masse. Right, Matt, I have a real beer in my bonnet here because this golden moment is about the sport of snooker. Now, I've lived my life being a passionate snooker fan. I love the sport of snooker. And some people word again. in my life have tried to persuade me that it's a game. It's yeah. a parlor game. Now, I divide the world up into two camps on this. People who think snooker... People who care? <laughs> <laughs> people who think snooker is not a sport and people who can read. Right. So, okay. uh, I, look, I am passionate about snooker being a sport, particularly in the world championship because the endurance levels in that tournament are extreme right <laughs> i don't know i just said i was training for a marathon and you're telling us about hey, all right like it probably is tough i'm sure look i would say it's a sport don't worry i'm not i'm not one of those yeah look i think you know i was about to say like you're on your feet all day but like there's a lot of jobs <laughs> There's a lot of jobs where you're on you're your feet, feet like neighbor. butchers, you know, <laughs> stacking the shelves yeah. in Woolworths isn't, you know, isn't a sport, yeah. Um, but it's a sport anyway. Snooker, uh, sure. But, the, you know, and I know there'll be a lot of people listening who've listened to the, the Nine Dart Finish episode, which is all about, like, the pinnacle, the maximum exceptional achievements within darts. And I move swiftly over to snooker. I'm not saying they're related in any way, but... They wear waistcoats and snooker, yep. bow ties. I'm talking about the maximum break. Now, for those not not familiar with snooker, a break is the amount of points that it's you like the kickoff you, you join together. Oh, the bra- no, no, like the, I you, thought the break it, was the kickoff. You you do, yeah. You break off, but yeah. everyone break you breaks off. But when you start to point build, yeah, it's called 
a break. A break. So oh, like right. if you start, if you get, oh, I got a break of 36 points. Okay. I got a break of 48 points. Okay. These are things I've never said because despite being passionate about snooker, I'm not very good. Right. But the maximum possible break you can get in snooker is, as you know, Matt. A blank face, shrugged <laughs> shoulders. I don't know. No idea. 147 points. That's great. Because I know you're good at maths. Yes. And on the table, no. you've got all the uh, colored balls, and then you've got 15 reds. Uh-huh. And the way to get maximum break is to pot a, you have to pot a red, then a color, then a red, then a color. Yeah. That's the, I knew that. The order. Yeah. And yeah. they keep putting the colors back on the table. That's right, yeah. Got it. And there's uh, six colors, and there's 15 reds. So if you pot a red, then a black, which is maximum worth seven points, that's eight points in groups for 15 times yeah 15 times 8 is a lot and then you finish the rest which is 27 points add that to, well 15 times 8 is 140 uh, 120 yeah. and then you yeah, add this, the you 27 all the colours and, and then you're 147 and you, you have a mate can't have a go correct champion it's the ultimate achievement very hard to do in fact so hard to do the first ever major tournament 147 was not till 1979 but despite the fact that it was ratified, it was a bit of a dodgy one because the, How? the pockets were oversized. Oh right, they were buckets, man. <laughs> they were just, they were just obscene. So they couldn't. Uh, that was John Spencer, and he was playing in Slough, um, which Terry Griffiths. Any snooker fans out there will know he had a very Slough game, um, and. It wasn't till 1982. Was that a pun? It was, yeah. It's wow. a, any snooker fans will sorry. be rolling around. <laughs> they'll be rolling around now, laughing so, at that. Sorry, one. listener. Uh, <laughs> join the queue now. Steve Davis in 1982, he made the first TV maximum break in Oldham. That's a, a place, not an instruction, and that was really the start of the the majesty of the 147 break, the maximum break, like. Until then, it was something that was very elusive and people didn't really think too much about and, and about players making, except probably for the players themselves. Like this perfect score, being able to play and make the maximum because if you make one error, it just falls apart. You just yeah. cannot do it. If you roll the ball an inch too far, you're done. Mm. That's it. It's very hard to recover from a misplaced shot. And so... Despite all of the wonderful 147s and maximum breaks there has been, I'm going to focus on just one. Okay. And it's a golden moment, Matt, because on the 21st of April 1997, a 21 years old in the World Championships rolls in Ronnie the Rocket O'Sullivan. 21 years old? 21. He was almost... Was he an unknown or is he, what's, he, what's he like at this, this time in his career? Because everyone knows Ronnie O'Sullivan now. Even if well, you know the name, even if you the, don't know him, at this stage, Matt, he's almost a veteran because oh, wow. he's <laughs> he he became pro when he was sixteen. <laughs> That's not bad, is it? It's Who let him in the pub? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, this is the curious thing about a lot of snooker players is like they skipped a lot of school and hid around, you know, in pubs or in uh, snooker halls, and you know, just let their talent uh, get them through. But in 1992, five years before this moment, so Sullivan turned pro, 16 years old, he won 74 out of the first 76 qualifying rounds he played. So he's good. 
he's all right included in that was 38 consecutive professional victories which is a record still yeah that's great and before he turned pro when he was 15 on the amateur junior circuit he made a 147 oh, I like rumor has it actually that he made a 140 break got down to the black which is worth seven points and walked off put his cue on the table and walked off oh, and they said the arrogance they said the ronnie why did you not make that and he just said i just didn't feel like it today oh wow so this is a guy with talent to burn and arrogance a slight odd attitude i'm not sure whether arrogance is the right word in the ronnie o'sullivan context here because he's a very complex character and he's done a lot of things over his over the years which have been maybe misconstrued as arrogance for one example is that he was winning against his opponents and he was playing with his usual hand he swapped hands and beat his opponents left-handed yeah with his other <laughs> other hand was fined by this governing body of snooker for disrespecting his opponents yeah reasonably but he was like saying well i was practicing in training that week and i I just swapped hands because I was just seeing if I could do it in a tournament. And like you wouldn't criticise like Lionel Messi for scoring three goals with his right foot and then the last one with his left foot. So it's like, well, you know. So I don't know whether arrogance that is, is arrogance, like- man. <laughs> you might like him. You might like snooker. That's arrogant. Come on, man. Have some perspective. Well, look, if 74 wins out of 76 don't cause arrogance with a young man. If you can back it up, maybe it's not arrogant. Maybe it becomes self-confidence. Mm. So this meant, those many wins meant that he made his uh, debut at the World Championships at the theatre in Sheffield called Crucible, which is so synonymous with snooker now. Is that the home of snooker? It was always up for debate. I think they've just signed another 30-year deal or something to keep it at the Crucible. Okay. It's got a very special show. It's got a, it's a horseshoe theatre. Mm. It's very good for um, you know shows for the rest of the year for plays but for the snooker it's got a real intensity and also, it's not always atmosphere. a sports stadium it's it's, it's a theater it's a yeah okay. it's a play it's for plays and it's not snooker at all it's not nothing to do well, with they sports. just take the seats out and put no no they have the existing seats and the stage no but the seats on the floor always the stage goes into the foot yeah so it's a horseshoe theater where the, the actors aren't elevated in the crucible yeah, yeah they're not elevated sense. on a stage they're they're the lowest people in that room yeah and everyone's looking down upon them i see unless the ronnie o'sullivan where they're looking up to him yes so <laughs> it's a <laughs> good very good so he, he made his professional debut in the crucible in 1993 age 17 by the time it gets around to you know a few years later between 1996 and 1999 he appears in three semi-finals in four four years he's in great form he's you know, absolutely flying, and he's be really become an exciting person in a sport, which at this stage has kind of really struggled to get back the excitement of the 1980s. Mm. The names like Alex the Hurricane Higgins, Jimmy the Whirlwind White, or Steve Interesting Davis. I mean, it really struggled after that, like, real... Um, well, they all retired, did they? Or just started to get older. No, they're still all going. But, but just it's just that the sport has kind of really... It's it's plateaued, plateaued a little. Yeah. And it, it hasn't really captured... And with the 
you know, uh, coming on of uh, the Premier League and Sky Sports and the Choice. And when snooker was big, it would do four channels. Mm. And so a lot of people watched it kind of more, maybe out of necessity rather than... Um, yeah. But it, it's lo- it, it had lost that kind of glamour. And here was a, a young kid just bringing that back, bringing that glamour back, bringing the swagger. And it was superb. And on this day... In April of 1997, Ronnie O'Sullivan finds himself never having made a professional 147. So he's done it as a junior, but it's one thing he's never achieved. It's the first round of the World Championships, and he finds himself facing a very good player called Mick Price, who's been a professional for nine years. He's well-traveled. He's never won anything major, but he's been a steady pro. pro making enough money to yeah, make himself go career. by. Yeah. And Mick Price, his nickname is The Postman. Don't say it's because he always delivers. I thought that, Matt. I thought that he always delivered, because that would be his dart name. Like, he would be The Postman if he always delivered. Uh, I thought, and then I thought, oh, maybe it's because he used to be a postman. And it's neither of these. No. Oh, right. What is it? It's because he resembles... Physically, Postman Pat from the children's TV series, Postman Pat. (laughs) Yeah, goodness. I mean, that's... It's not flattering, is it? (laughs) (laughs) So, apparently, Mick Price is a very nice guy, self-effacing, and he actually uh, was the third player in history to make three consecutive century breaks as well in 1990. Another great achievement of, in snooker is to make a century break to get over 100 points in one go. Yeah. But obviously we're after the 147 here. It's a, even in, this is the endurance of the World Championship that even in round one, it's the best of 19 frames. So you play over two sessions. How long it, would that take? How long, how long is it on average to do 19 frames? Look, I would say on average... It probably takes five or six hours. Five, I was going to say like three hours or something, two or three hours. Yeah, no, it depends because... Like, I mean, if you're I knocking think, it out in, yeah, I think not letting the, the other guy have a go, then yeah, it's probably quicker, right? I think the longest frame in history, Matt, is, is almost three hours long. So one frame, if it's the best of 19 frames, one frame yeah. could theoretically be three three hours long. Wow. And so snooker can be a game of attrition and a game of you know, trying to not get points <laughs> yeah. and blocking your opponent from getting points and trying to get them to foul so that or you just can get, get bored. points. Go or on. get bored or get tired <laughs> and wear them down. And so best of 19 frames. And at this stage, I'm going to join the action here. Ronnie O'Sullivan is beating Mick Price Eight frames to five. Now, best of 19, it's the first to 10. So Ronnie O'Sullivan's got two frames to win. Um, Mick Price is up against it a little bit. And Ronnie O'Sullivan takes to the table. Potter's first red. Nothing unusual so far. Red, black, red, black. And in comes the beautiful voice of Len Ganley. Now, Len Ganley is the Northern Irish snooker referee. <laughs> Len Ganley came to fame for two reasons. One, he was in a Carling Black Label advert, 
right? Selling lager, despite the fact he was teetotal. Okay. And the other reason is because he was featured in the hit song. Uh, say hit. It was a song by a band from my hometown, Half Man, Half Biscuit. Oh, great band. And the song's called Everyone Doing the Langanley Stance. Oh, right. Because he had a distinctive way of standing next to the snooker table. Sort of like leaning into it or? Wide base. Uh huh. Standing, hands behind his back, or like maybe. The start of the Macarena. Maybe in front, depending on how he was feeling. Okay. <laughs> And as O'Sullivan's building up these points, you can hear Len Ganley. 17. 24. 25. He's just knocking out the points. And to put the joy of Len Ganley in the Len Ganley stance, here's, here's one of the lyrics from the Half and Half Biscuit song, everyone's doing the Len Ganley stance. Keep your arms as rigid as a juggernaut. Clench your fists. Point your knuckles straight ahead. Do your best to look like a teddy bear. Then try and pretend to look vertically dead. <laughs> I like it. So Len Ganley is just an added mix into this wonderful events that's unfolding You're going to have to put this music on the pod at the end, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Everyone needs to hear it. I'll, I'll have... I'll, if I can't get the rights to it, Matt, I'll... Uh, Just play a shorter clip. Yeah, <laughs> maybe I'll play a shorter clip. Or I'll, uh, I'll put the link in the show notes so anyone sure. can uh, listen to the song, which is excellent. Len Ganley is... He, he's actually... don't want to dwell on Len Ganley too much, but... <laughs> the referee. Clearly, I've got a fascination. <laughs> he, he, was, he helped introduce the device where they clean a white ball. So you know that little device where they they push it up right up to the white ball and then the referee cleans it with his white gloves. I mean, no. And then he rolls the white ball back into position. Now... No, I didn't know about this. I've never seen this. Yeah, it's I like doubt a, our listeners it's have. It's like a clear p- piece of plastic or resin and they, they and slide it up this, so the white ball doesn't move and then they roll the white ball away, keep that in place. It's, it's a brilliant piece of technology. Fascinating. It, it, the reason that it really caught my eye is because when uh, we used to go to Butland's holiday camps when we were kids, not, not we, we didn't. No, I'm but, <laughs> not with you. <laughs> but we were, we'd go was to... Was it you and Len Ganley? Yeah, it was me and Len Ganley, yeah. I actually met Ray Reard in a Butland's holiday camp. He was world champion twice or three times, maybe four times. He looked like a vampire. But anyway, that's a different story. <laughs> my, my uncle Tom, he used to play uh, snooker a lot. And he designed a device that Langanley had, but it, it, he used to take out his false teeth, put them on the table next to the white ball, clean the white ball, and roll them back. Because oh, right, <laughs> okay. the dentures almost form yeah. the perfect U shape around it. I see what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, like little, yeah. yeah, that's a very much the working class version. <laughs> Here we go. Here's the police. So O'Sullivan is knocking in the points and the two commentators former world champion who we've covered previously is Dennis Taylor and also John Virgo are both commentating for the BBC and they start to see what's happening here 72 one more red in the frame safe but Ronnie's got other things in his mind and so has everybody in the audience red black red black red black what does this mean it's Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's never made a 147 before, but this is on. It's on. It's, the time is right. 
Dennis Taylor says the words, I'm starting to get a bit excited. Nice. Now, he doesn't say them in a way that a person who's excited would normally say those words. It's what I'd like to call snooker excited. I might start using that in general parlance. <laughs> like, are you, are you happy to go to shops? Yeah, I'm snooker happy. <laughs> Well, listen, John, I know you've commentated on a maximum before. I have never, and I'm starting to get a bit uh, excited here. For want of a better phrase, the balls are dropping. Dennis Taylor's getting excited. And red, black, red, black, 81 points in a bag. But there's no natural red left on the table. There's a couple in a cluster and one satellite red just by the pink ball. Ronnie O'Sullivan manages to pot the black and he cannons in to the two reds, leaving the white in a perfect position. Yes, and I think those two reds below the, the pink, one of them will pot in the left corner. Yeah. Well, they will now. Needs to be a bit lucky. That's okay. Great chance. He then pots the black all of a sudden at the crucial stage because everyone in that Crucible audience is well read literate in snooker they know it's a sport it's a sport <laughs> but they also know that a little error a little mistake and this is gone yeah so the tension ramps up is ratcheted up and they know that these two reds that are clustered together by the pink if they're not freed it's then over. it's game over and so this shot is really crucial he hits the black ball he puts a lot of spin on it and bang, freeze both reds. Yes. The crowd, now they're thinking, man, we see not only all of these points accumulated, but we could see the perfect frame of snooker ever. By the time he's hit 104 points. There's two reds left on the table. It is taking Ronnie O'Sullivan... Ronnie the Rocket, three minutes and 50 seconds to get to this point. Oh, my. That, that's excellent. 104 points in three minutes and five seconds. Unbelievable. The final red is in a really tricky position. Sorry, so, sorry. You, you, you spent almost 10 times as long <laughs> <laughs> telling me and the listeners about it. <laughs> Ronnie would have ripped this up. <laughs> it should have been a five-minute podcast. Maximum. The hell. <laughs> I'm not as good as him, though. So <laughs> The final red is really tricky to the middle pocket. But the critical thing here, as everybody in that theatre knows, not only does he have to pocket that red to get on the black, but he has to pocket that red to get in a position to get on the black so he can get at the yellow, which is at the far end of the table, at the balk end of the table. This is one of the most difficult manoeuvres a snooker player can make. This is where a lot of 147 attempts have gone awry, is potting that final red, get in position on the black to get up the other end of the table. It's 72 square feet, Matt. My flat's smaller than that. True. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a big surface and the margins are, are so small. At this point, Dennis Taylor, you know he's very excited. He he's, he's snooker excited. As soon as the white ball's hit, it starts to roll at pace right up to the top end of the table. Dennis Taylor, he's saying, slow down, white, slow down. He's not thinking it in his mind. He's saying it as a piece of commentary. 
Oh, slow down, White. Slow down, White. At this point, there's still 27 points to go before we can get to the perfect maximum break. The crowd are going absolutely wild. Well, I say wild. They're going snooker wild. Yeah. <laughs> They're snooker wild. He pots the yellow. Next is the green. And this is where it gets a bit tricky. He leans over the table realises that he's going to be really overstretched to the green. He's played himself out of position a little. It's the first time in this frame he's taken a pause. Does he get the rest to play because he's overstretched? You remember in snooker you always have to have one foot in contact with the floor at all times? Yes. But he doesn't bother. He's straight back in there. Bang! Straight in the back of the pocket. The green's gone. The white rolls around for the brown. The brown's gone. 129 points. Then the blue gone. 134 points. 129. Perfect. Yes, absolutely perfect. 134. I don't believe this. Then the pink, 140 points. And now he's on the black. And the crowd are going mad. Snooker mad. Snooker mad. One four seven. He pockets the black in five minutes, eight seconds, Matt. That is excellent. That's speed. Even from the yellow to the black alone took him only thirty-seven seconds with the hesitation on the green. That is class. Alan McManus and Billy Snadden, two Scots, are playing on the other table on the other side of the screen. They've come round to watch. I bet. <laughs> What's going on? It's such an amazing story. This has just set the snooker world alight. And Ronnie O'Sullivan, you can see, he goes over, he shakes the hand with Mick Price, the postman. He actually looked when he shook hands with Mick Price. Normally players, like, there's been previous 147s where the players have embraced each other, they've cuddled each other, because it's quite emotional to do that. Mick Price does look like he's... He's just given a registered delivery to Ronnie O'Sullivan. He's just signed for it. He's just like, well done, mate. Yeah. <laughs> just, just like, <laughs> he's but he's got fairly... to play him again now. He's 9-5 yeah. down. He's got to go again. And yeah. like, oh, he's fairly straight-faced about it. But Len Ganley obviously goes over, congratulates him. And the amazing thing is Mick Price actually said in, in retrospect, he said, uh, I only realized the guy was human when he took that breath before the green. Mm. I mean, sitting like, one of the things in, in snooker as a sport is that you can't tackle your opponents. You can't like, you just got to sit and take it. And sitting there and taking this, I mean, this is a superhuman. At, at least you didn't have to take it for that long. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Five minutes, eight seconds is long enough. And O'Sullivan has made more 147 since than any other pro in history. He's made 15 oh, wow. professional 147 breaks. He's He's gone on to earn £10.8 million 
pounds in prize money with over a thousand century breaks oh, wow. in the process. He's currently still, remember this is, he became professional in 1992. As we record this podcast, 2019, he's world number two. <laughs> Good for him. <laughs> now, I suppose the people involved in this story, there's a couple of notable mentions. I suppose Stephen Henry is that he's the second uh, most prolific uh, maximum breaker. He's now retired, but he made 11 in his career. And probably the, uh, I suppose the people we need to think about, Len Ganley, he actually died in 2011, uh, stage 68. And Mick Price, he retired from snooker in 2004 and is now a maths teacher. Oh, oh, you sh- not a postman. Not a postman. And he, he plays snooker in a local league. Oh, that's good. That's cheating, isn't it? I like that. <laughs> it's like it, it's kind of cheating, but I like, <laughs> I like that he's still going. I suppose five minutes and eight seconds. I mean, there's few times in sport where you can condense that amount of talent and exhilaration. I'm going to watch that on the way home. It's su- I'll put a link to it in the show notes because it is superb as well as the Half Man Half Biscuit song. Yes. Everyone's doing the Len Ganley stance. Just to put it in perspective, in the 1980s, there were only eight maximum breaks made in the entire decade. This is the heyday of snooker. Only eight made. By the time we get to the 2010s, so far, and we're not at the end of the 2010s as we record, 82 maximum breaks have been made in that so, decade so and to also to put that in perspective as well in the 80s only 1437 century breaks currently in the 2010s 13,018 oh, century so yeah. breaks as we speak it's just like the darts then it's got more popular and players obviously target it more and think about it more and probably practice it for it more one of the reasons ronnie o'sullivan cites for not making more 147 breaks at the world championship that year, there was a prize pot specifically for 147 breaks. Now, in years since, it might be like £10,000 or £20,000. That year, it was £147,000. Oh, wow. I like <laughs> So the next year, they said, do you want to make a 147 break? And he said, no, because the money's not enough. <laughs> and you're questioning the guy's arrogance. <laughs> so... So Stephen Henry and Ronnie O'Sullivan are both on three maximums in Crucible history. There's only been 10 maximum breaks in history made at the Crucible Theatre for the World Championship. So an amazing achievement to make it in that time. And I'm going to leave this episode, Matt, on the lyrics of the rest of the Half Man Half Biscuit song. Praise the Lord, you all look so beautiful. Bulging waistcoats and 30 inch of neck. Shine your shoes and head for the crucible. Brush the bays and keep the crowd in check. I like it. Len Ganley, thanks so much. What a what a great story. The 147, Ronnie the Rocket O'Sullivan. Thanks. Thank you so much, Ian. That was terrific. Thank you very much to all our listeners for, for listening through to that. Definitely check out the video, which uh, Regine will put the link through. And please uh, get in touch with us uh, at The Wheel of Sport on Instagram. Also, shoot us a message. Twitter as well, at Twitter, The Wheel of Sport. At The Wheel of Sport, of course, Twitter. Yeah, let us know what you think. And if you've got any suggestions for episodes, we'd love to hear from you. Thanks very much, Ian. Thanks, Matt. And thank you to Len Ganley.
Everyone's doing the Lane Ganley's dance. <laughs> That's great. Well, everyone has just gone berserk here. John, I've never seen anything like that. Five minutes for a maximum. <laughs>